Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. We'll turn in our Bibles or on your phones. Let's go to Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 13. You can join with me on the screen. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Next slide. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, the ba- then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Everyone say standing firm. Wouldn't that be cool that in every battle that we ever faced in life, we would still be standing firm at the end? Wouldn't that be cool? You know, we love watching movies, the Hollywood movies, and obviously because it's Hollywood, it always have a, has a sweet and a happy ending. But we know that sometimes that's not reality that the good guy always lives, is it? That's not the reality of life. Sometimes we're fallen over. Sometimes we're injured. Sometimes life just happens, and we feel like we always have to pick ourselves up when we come against things in life. Can I get an amen? We sometimes feel like that, right? But God's intention for our life is for us to stand firm in the battle and to resist whatever gets thrown at us. But God's intention is something for us to work towards. That is what God wants to get us to, but it's not always our reality in life. You know what, who's ever been paintballing here? Paintballing, probably the most aggressive and probably the most expensive sport. Sometimes it'd be easier just to throw dollars and to throw cents at people. I think that would actually be a cheaper game than paintballing. But you know, one day I was going paintballing and it was super muddy and it was this big English field. And we were out there and I'd stacked up with ammo and I'd I'd kind of, it was like this barrel game. You had to move up the line to get the enemy and I was going from barrel to barrel and moving up. And I got myself to a great position. It was really strategic, and I managed to get down some enemies. And I was behind these barrels, and I'd pop over, and then crouch back. And it was looking good. You know, my team were getting picked off, but me and my friend, we were in a good position. And then this moment happened. And you would know this if you've been paintballing. You're in a great position, and you go to fire over, and nothing comes out apart from gas. It's like, and it's like, there's no bullets. And you're like, what do I do? You crash back down. And suddenly you go from feeling like Arnold Schwarzenegger, thinking anything is possible, to this moment of feeling very, very vulnerable. And then suddenly I can see some people are coming around, the enemy, the red team, they're coming around, they're going to get me. And so what, do, of course, do I do? I have a couple of thoughts. I could throw the gun, or I just keep on doing blanks. <laughs> And so I just keep on doing blanks. But the thing is, and they're ducking, they're seeing, they're like, oh, man, he's still shooting, he's still shooting. But they suddenly realize, that guy's out of ammo. Let's get him. And suddenly I am a sitting duck in that moment, waiting for the enemy to take me out. See, some of us, we get ready in our mornings. Hopefully most of us, there's no one in their 
pajamas today. Look, we smell good. We've, we've got ready this morning. But some of us, we've walked out the door in the morning without a spiritual shower, without spiritually getting dressed. And the problem is, is we've got empty sheaths. We, 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 don't have, we haven't put the sword in the sheath. We haven't got any uh, arrows in the quiver. We haven't loaded up our magazines full of ammunition. And we've just gone out the door in the morning thinking that, well, we will be fine. I don't need to spend my time with God. And we've gone out and we haven't prepared. And we wonder why we're not standing firm by the end of the day. We're sitting ducks and empty quivers. But how do we be people that stand firm? Because that's God's intention. So I started asking the question, how do I be a person that stands firm? And in Ephesians 6, this scripture is, is written about, you know, here's the battle. Here's the things that we face. And it's all about preparation. It's all about getting ready. It's all about preparing yourself. And so when the battle comes, you're not looking down and going, where's my sword? You're not reaching over to grab that arrow and going, where is it? But you're battle ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get battle ready. It's time to get battle ready. You see, we don't like to talk about the devil much. We don't want to give him too much glory. But the thing is, one thing that we do need to know, that against every single one of us, there is someone called the devil. There's someone called the Satan. And in John 10.10, 10, it talks about his mission. His mission is to make your life a living hell. His mission is to come, is the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose in his life, to steal, kill, and destroy, and make your life so miserable that you don't want to live it. But how do we stand firm against that? How do we resist that? How do we prepare ourselves as believers and Christians to come against that? How do we be people that are standing firm at the end of the day? How do we move from being exposed actually being shielded with ammunition at the day? That's the question I want to ask. I want to go and look, because I sense the answer is in Joshua 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses, Joshua 1, 1 to 9. And it's about a guy called Joshua. And he's now become a new leader of millions of people called the nation of Israel. He's like the prime minister, the president, whatever you want to call it. He's the new leader, now leading millions of people. And in this moment, I don't know if you've had a new promotion and you've been freaked out, or you go into a new school year and you've been freaked out. You change schools, you've been freaked out. You go to university, you're anxious, you're full of anxiety. You Those new moments that there's nothing you can prepare for apart from just doing that. That's Joshua in this moment. He's anxious, he's scared, and he's full of fear. And then here we read how God speaks to him and how God encourages him. It says this in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to, the, to, to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, is, my servant is dead. Thank you. State the obvious. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I have promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, 
you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness to the south of the Lebanon mountains, in the north, from the Euphrates River, etc., etc., etc. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you will live. Wouldn't that be awesome? Who wants that for their life? No one will be able to stand and stop us as we live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I will give them. Be strong and very courageous. There we see it again. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Turn to your neighbor and say, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. A man that's been thrust into the spotlight. A man who is experiencing extreme anxiety. And God is saying to him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. My son, who's almost three, sometimes he falls over or sometimes he gets scared. And I turn around to him and I say this verse to him. I says, you are strong and courageous. It's really cool. Now he just, now he like, he falls over and he looks at me and he goes, I'm strong and courageous amongst his tears. And it's the cutest thing ever. But God wants to say to you tonight, you are strong and you are courageous. And that is how we stand firm. And I want to continue to give you the key. It's found in verse 8. It says, be very strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them for the right or the left. Then you'll be successful. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Can I say to you that God's promises hinge on us actively getting God's word in our heart. Let me say that again. God's promises for you hinge on you getting God's word in your heart. As a Christian and as a follower of Jesus, coming to church and lifting your hands is only half of the deal. You'll never be a strong Christian who can resist and stand firm unless you become someone who puts God's Word in your heart. If you want to be a move from a person who has no quivers, uh, has no arrows in his quivers, and not be, not be someone who's a sitting duck, then we need to simply become someone who actively puts God's Word in their heart. Actively put God's word in our heart. And here we see in, the, in Joshua, God saying, hey, I want you to meditate on this day and night. Meditation is simply putting it in you. It's simply talking God's word. It's simply saying something over and over again. So I had a friend, right, and we've all probably had a friend like this. If you've ever played golf, in England golf is huge, and he used to talk to his ball. No joke, and he's not, he was never admitted to a menstrual interest institute or anything like that. But he used to talk to his ball. So I always used to go out after school with him. He used to put the ball on the tee, and he would get ready. Go! Lift, lift, stop! 
That was literally for 18 holes. That's all I would listen to. And he would say to me, Mark, if you want to get good at golf, he was really good. You need to start talking to your ball. But also, some of us might know, some of us might know and belong to gyms where there's that guy. You'll find that guy near the weights area. He will be next to the mirror looking at his guns. He will find the biggest weights on the rack and he will start lifting. And what you'll hear, you could have your eyes closed, you wouldn't even know where he is, but you'll hear him. And he'll be like this, come on, just one more, that's it. Now, I'm not talking about aimless self-talk like I've just described in those situations. I've got friends in both of those. And unfortunately, I've actually become one of them before. I won't say which one. I'm not talking about aimless self-talk, but it's just empty words. But God actually wants us to meditate. God has actually wants us not to be just people that sit on the rows, but he wants us to become active speakers and active listeners of his word. I want, I want check this out in Psalm 37, verse 31. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The law of God, but it's basically talking about scripture. God's scripture was in his heart and his steps never slid. In the message version, it says this, his heart pumps with God's word like blood through his veins. His feet are as sure as a cat's. I just love that imagery. You know, a cat who always lands on its feet, right? When we have God's word pumping through our veins, man, it makes all the difference. It causes us and our steps to be sure. Is God's word pumping through your veins, church? Is God's word pumping through your veins? Come on, we need to meditate. We need to be passive. We, we don't need to be passive, but we need to be active in what we do. We need to be active practitioners of God's word. When I was 18, I remember feeling really insecure. I remember my self-worth felt like that big. You know, actually, the reason I went to the gym was at, at around 17, 18, was because for all of my schooling life, I had been bullied. And the problem when you've been bullied for such a period of time is you begin to believe what people say about you. So I believed the words that they said even if they were hurtful, even if they jarred my inside, I believed what they said. And so I thought, well, I'm going to show them. And so not only did I go to the gym, I also grew my hair because I was really, um, really self-conscious of my look and I just didn't like the way I looked. So I started doing all these things based on what people had said about me. That's what happened when I was 18. My confidence, my worth... And all of those things felt like zero. I felt so down. I felt so out. I felt like I was worth nothing to no, to no one. I tried to do things to make me feel better, like go to the gym and do that kind of stuff. My mom and dad would try and lift me up, but none of it seemed to work. But at the age of 18, someone came alongside me and someone began to speak to me about how I can begin to help myself in this time. He saw some of the things I was doing and how I was reacting to the bullying that had happened, how I was reacting to some of the things that were going on in my life. And he said, and I want you to imagine for just a moment, a garden, a beautiful, pristine garden. 
It's got roses, the grass is beautifully cut, it's lush, it's got trees, and it's got animals, and it. it's like a beautiful vista in front of you. But the problem is this. Over time, gardens need maintenance. If you go, if you go into a garden, it's just like, rip up that lawn, put fake grass down, take away the bushes, I do not want to tend that. And some people are going, yeah, that's, that's what we should have done. That's what we should have, that's a great idea. Tomorrow, get rid of the grass. But the problem is over time, things drift into the garden. Squirrels come running, do you guys have squirrels? And in England, we have like these rats with tails and stuff. And they jump off trees and it's awesome. But they love to bury, they love to bury seeds in the grass. And the problem is, over time, things come into this beautiful garden, and if it's untended and, 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 and it's not maintained well, weeds start to grow up. Trees and different things that start to be out of place, and it looks a little odd, it looks a bit rubbish. And over time, if we don't go in and maintain that garden, it's like, hmm, it's not really beautiful anymore. And do you know what we need to do sometimes with our life? We just need to get down and we need to begin picking out some of the weeds. We need to, we need to get down and, and begin to go, it's not as beautiful as it used to be. I need to, I need to get rid of that insecurity. I need to get rid of that, that, that confidence issue. You know, that person said that thing to me. I, I, need to, I, need to get, I need to get rid of that stuff. You know, the number one point is tonight is see it. We need to identify where some of the things that we feel like just shouldn't be in our gardens. We need to identify some of the things that have turned up in our yard but just shouldn't be there. Sometimes people say stuff, teachers say stuff, parents say stuff and it's just not nice. They say it because they're hurt. They say it because they never sorted out their issues. And sometimes bosses can say stuff and we just get cut down and it's just like a seed that drops in our yard and if we don't deal with it, it's going to grow up into the biggest oak tree in the world. It's going to be really difficult to move. And I just realized I just began to have to look at some of the things, look at some of the pain, look at some of the problems, look at some of the issues, look at some of the addictions that had grown up in my life and I thought, man, I've got some gardening to do. I've got to do some sorting out. But what does God want? He wants us to put breath to his promises. He, want us to, he wants us to put breath to the word to begin to change some of the things. But the first thing, we need to see it. First thing about wanting to change is wanting to change. But so many people don't want to change. But the problem is they don't see a future beyond their change. They don't see a way past their things. I want to share this. There's two realities in life. There's our current reality, the fact that there's these issues, there's my addictions, there's the stuff going on in my world, there's a pain, there's a disease, there's something going on in life. It's just, that's what my life is right here, right now. But what we do need to know is there's also a godly reality. And that's what I want to get at today. There is a different reality saying something different over your life. And if you choose to believe it, if you choose to read it, if you choose to get it in you, then let me tell you, it has the ability to change your life. It has the ability to transform your life from where you are into something 
else. But the issue is so many of us don't know what God is saying about insecurity. So many of us don't know what God says about money. So many of us don't know what God says about your future and having a hope. So many of us don't know what God is saying about depression. And so they just live in the now. They live with the doctor's report and don't realize that God wants to free them. We need to move from our reality now, here and now, and we need to move into something new. We need to move into what God says about your life. How do we get what God says in us? We meditate. We meditate. For me, I just felt like my self-esteem was low, and so what I did is I just found a scripture, and it's this. It's in 1 Peter 2.10, it says, but you are a chosen priesthood, a royal, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I began to mull that over and over and over and over and over again. I began to think that God has called me chosen. I, I, I'm not a nobody. I, I'm not a small little guy. The God who created the heavens and the earth is saying that, Mark, you were chosen, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are special to me. Come on, let's give God a hand. See, but the question is, what are we going to believe? Are we going to believe our current reality, or are we going to believe what God is saying? If we've never taken the time to get God's Word in us, it will never become a reality in our life. It will never become a reality in our life. In Matthew 12, 37, it says this, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The message version follows up and says, words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation or words can be your damnation. See, when I read this, I get a sense of a courtroom scene. You've got the judge and you've got the jury and you've got the person being accused and you've got the prosecutors and you've got the defenders. And it's like your words can either be your salvation or your words can be your damnation. Do you know your words have the ability to set you free? Do you know your words also have the ability to lock you up? Can I say that again? Your words have the ability to free you or to lock you up. The question is, do you want to spend jail time? See, I realized I didn't want to spend jail time. So what I started to do was speak something differently over my life and began to weed the garden. But the, there's some of us in here that have never got down on one knee and began to take out the issues, began to see the problem, began to see the different things. The next thing, number two, we, we see it but we also got to speak it. Everyone say, speak it. we got to speak it. In James 3, verse 3 to 5, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. You see, your tongue has the ability to either free you or jail you. Everyone say, free you. Or jail you. See, the tongue has the ability. It's so powerful. It has the great ability. In Genesis 1, it says God spoke and things were created. 
God spoke and the world became. God spoke and there was trees. God spoke and there was fish. God spoke and there was finding dory. God spoke and there was mountains. God spoke and there was vines and we could drink some wine. God spoke and things came into being. God spoke and it was created. Church, do we know that the power of words? The power that has the ability to steer a ship. It's in here. Tongue is so powerful, church. A tongue has the ability to change the course of our life. And so what I began to do, I began to speak something new over my life. I've got all these scriptures and I began to speak to where my life was at. I began to speak to the issues. I began to speak to the problems. I began to speak into my identity, the fact that it came so short to what, them, than what God has said about me. I, I began to speak about, about the addictions that I had found online. I began to speak into the different issues and my confidence. I began to speak to it. And do you know what? On day one, I saw no change. On day two, I saw no change. On day three, I was just tired because I had to get up a little bit earlier. On day four, I still didn't feel a little bit, a little bit of change. On day five, nothing much changed. Do you know what? After two weeks, I began to feel a shift. I felt like I had tugged at some of the things, some of the, some of the weeds in, the life, in my life, some of the trees that I had there too long to grow up and had just ruined the vista in my life. After a month, I felt so clear in the mind. After six months, I felt like a completely different person. The things that I had struggled with, the things that had held me back, the things that would cause me to just live a small and limited life were now gone. Suddenly, when the enemy would bring thoughts into my mind, I now didn't have an empty quiver. I didn't have an empty sheath. My ammunition and magazine was completely full. See, when the enemy said, you're worthless, when, you, when the enemy said, you could never do that, do you know what I could say? Uh-uh. That's not what God said about me. Because I had taken the time for God's promises to come into my life. God is waiting for you to put your breath on His promises. God is waiting for you to actually get stuff into you. But the only way we do it is by actually getting Scriptures and putting it in you. If the team could come, that'd be fantastic. We've got to learn to believe. You see, when we see it, we can learn to speak to it. And when we speak to it, we can silence it. Number three, silence it. Everyone say silence it. See, for too long, my situations had held me hostage and I thought I could never move forward. For some of us in here, we felt like, <laughs> for some of us in here, we felt like we're in a hostage situation. We feel like we've been taken without our wanting for too long. But tonight, there's freedom coming. What's going on tonight? We're loading up. We're getting ready. We're getting battle ready. I want to say the battle was every day. 
the battle is every day. Let me tell you more of my story. I remember when my wife and I, we woke up about six months ago. And in our room, there was a certain situation that was going on in our lives at, the, at, at that time. And we woke up and we were both just gripped with fear. It was the strangest thing. It was like we couldn't move. It was like, well, I don't know what's going on. But it was just gripped with fear. That's all we could fear. We, that's all we could feel. It's just fear, fear, fear. But all I had enough to say was Isaiah 41.10. Do not be afraid. That's all I could get out. I said, Isaiah 41 says, don't be afraid. I just kept on reading that over, my, over, that, over that situation as I was sitting in bed. I said it 10 times. On the 11th time, it's like fear left the building and peace entered into my life. Peace entered the room. Peace entered into my wife. But the thing was, if I'd never put Isaiah 41 in me, I would have never been able to speak to that storm. If we never put something in us, we can never have something come out of us. If we don't put food in us, it will... So I don't need to say Sometimes we're just sitting ducks and empty quivers. But that's not God's intention. He wants us to be prepared for every storm so we can stand firm, stand strong and stand for a long time. See, God doesn't just want people just to come to church on Sundays and fail during the week and fall over during the week. Hey, we're here for you. We'll pray with you. But God's intention is for you to stand firm. And we're a community as people. We do eat groups during the week so we can stand firm together. You don't have to go through what you're going through alone. We can go through it together. We can stand firm together. We can see you walk into freedom together. We don't have to be where we are if we choose to bow a knee and say, I'm not going to allow these things in my garden of my life anymore. They are not allowed to be here. I'm going to come. I'm going to get on my knee and these things are going. Come on, we need to sometimes just, just, we just need to root some stuff out of our life. God's Word is looking for our breath to bring it to life. See, I don't know where your thing is. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you're stuck in depression, perhaps Romans 15, 13 is good for you. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Is there anyone here that just needs some joy in their life? See, I said this scripture over my life because I was, felt like I wasn't experiencing joy like God truly wanted. See, we live in an age of Instagram, social media, comparison, and people are in the problem with comparison and there's no joy in your life because you're always comparing your life to someone else. Can I say to you young people, it's so awesome to see you tonight, but don't let the devil rob your joy. There'll always be someone that will post something better than you, but God says you are the best. God says you are beautiful. God says you are awesome. God says you are handsome. God says you're great. You're called for a plan and a purpose. Come on, there's hope in God. If you're stuck in depression, may the God of hope and joy fill you tonight. May He lift you out of that miry clay, lift you out of that darkness, lift you out of that pit and let the joy of God come in your life like you've never seen Him before. Come on, allow Romans 15, 13 to become truth in your life. And so you don't live in the jail cell anymore, but you can live in freedom.
Maybe you're fearful of the future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, that you can have no harm will come your way. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you fear the future, come on, there's a God that has a hope and a future for you. God has a hope and a future for you. And dude in the white t-shirt with the cap, I just want to say to you, Jeremiah 29, 11 is your scripture. God has a hope. God has a future for you. God loves you so dearly. It doesn't matter what's going on in the past. It doesn't even matter what happened yesterday. God is saying, if you give your life to me completely, you will step into a brand new hope. You will step into a brand new future. God is saying there's family. There's a new thing happening for you in your life. If you choose to say, God, I give you my life. In a year's time, your life will be completely different because God has a hope and a future. Just continue coming back, continue coming back, continue coming back. This is a place of hope. If you're feeling overlooked, perhaps 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. That's your verse. Perhaps you've got issues of self-worth, for we are God's masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10. I don't know what you've got going on, but God has something to say to it. I don't know what's going on in your world, but God has got something to say to it. Maybe you've got temptation. Maybe you've got issues with smoking, drugs, or pornography, or whatever's going on. God says in, 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 in Romans 8.37, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ. In Romans 6.14, sin is no longer your master. You do not need to go back to it. There's freedom by God's grace. Maybe you need a friend. There is a friend who sticks closer to him than a brother, Proverbs 18:24. See, the Bible cares that you have a friend. Get the word in you, it will change your life forever. Perhaps you're believing for your family and your kids. Joshua 24:15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, there's a current reality where we're living, what the doctor says, what people say about our lives, whatever's going on, that's current, that's real, that's your experience, I respect that, but it doesn't have to be where you stay because God wants to say something to you tonight. If we choose to just open up His Scripture and allow His truth to overwhelm us, it says the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. God spoke to Joshua. He said, be strong and courageous and meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Do not deviate to the left or the right, but remain in me. See, the only way we can stand firm through it all, church, is by getting it in us. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 